Have you ever wondered what the Bible says about substance abuse? We all know that substance abuse and addiction is a vice common to mankind. But you may be surprised how common. And what is common to man is often evident within the church and present in the lives of believers because the church is made up of mankind. In this episode of Hardcore Christianity, Jerry and I attempt to answer the question, what does the Bible say about substance abuse? We'll explore statistics concerning substance abuse in America. We'll discuss if there are substances that can be abused and are not considered sinful. We'll take a look at what the Bible says about substance abuse. And we'll discuss how believers should address and think about the topic of substance abuse using the Bible as our guide. If you've ever wondered what the Bible says about substance abuse, you'll want to stick around for this episode of Hardcore Christianity. Hello, Jerry. I'd like to thank you for joining me for this episode of Hardcore Christianity, where we'll be talking about the question, what does the Bible say about substance abuse? I appreciate having you on the show again. Thank you for having me. So we'll start off this episode, as we often do, by talking about what is substance abuse. Abuse. Do you have a definition for that? Uh, as far as a uh, dictionary definition, abuse is the illegal, improper, or harmful use of something, the harmful use of drugs or alcohol, and then I would add the use, of, uh, use or abuse of a substance that affects one's ability to make a decision or affects a person's motor skills. Okay. All right, I actually found one also from the Oxford Dictionary that I really liked. It says, uh, it's overindulgence in or dependence on an addictive substance, especially alcohol or drugs. So what do you think about that simple definition? Absolutely. I think that uh, they all kind of go together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the what, where, where it talks about the overindulgence in or the dependence on, and that those two um, explanations kind of wraps up whole, the entire idea of uh, addictive or, or abusive substances. So, all right, we'll go with those those um, definitions as we move forward. But I, I do like how the dictionary does describe them, and I think they're quite accurate. So before we do talk about substance abuse, I thought it would be a good idea to discuss any of our direct or indirect connections with substance abuse, um, because I know neither of us are experts on the topic. So why don't you first talk about your indirect or direct um relation to substance abuse? Right. Mine are more observational or indirect okay. than direct. Um, that includes family members, uh, friends, people involved in our church, uh, which has a fairly good recovery program, uh, as well as uh, I volunteer at Ottawa County Jail. And the people in the jail are probably 60 to 70 percent are somehow there because of alcohol or drug use. Okay. All right. So I actually... I mean, I haven't I've never abused any substances in my life, but I have uh, toyed around with cigarettes and alcohol during my college years, but neither of them ever took. I never really did any real inhaling with cigarettes. I basically used them because it was cool and the people I was around were, were, were using cigarettes, so I'd light it up and kind of puff around with it, but I'd never really, <laughs> really inhale. And then uh, with alcohol, same thing. I, I would use it because people are around me were using it at parties. Um, I would drink it, of course, but I never really acquired the taste, so I never sure. liked it, and I and I drank very little. Um, so that's my personal. But I also have had a stepmother who was an alcoholic, and so I have some experience being around someone who has abused um, alcohol and how that can affect not only them but their relationship with those around them and how it affected our relationship with her. And my wife, 
Um, she, before we uh, began dating, she would abuse alcohol, um, and God broke that addiction in her overnight. I mean, she was she would tell me that uh, it just overnight she just stopped drinking, and also she had a swearing um, problem as well, and that broke overnight as well. So uh, God, I'm so thankful that He did that within her, and so since then she's never really done any drinking and we don't I don't drink because I don't want it to affect her or make her desire to drink so um, those are very indirect uh, relationships to drugs and alcohol so I just want the listener to understand uh, where we're coming from so that there is no uh, confusion as to where our knowledge is which is very little on this topic so I I do realize that there are people who um, have a deeper understanding of substance abuse. Um, and I and I want just to want to acknowledge that. But our point of view here for this show is really to talk about uh, what the Bible says about substance abuse. And I don't think you really have to um, have been in substance abuse to really tackle that topic. Well, I think the indirect experience, though, the people that we've known shows us a great deal. It, it's not the same as having gone through it. Yeah. But at least we see the effects. Mm-hmm. And we can... Uh, relate with what people go through who have uh, friends, family, whatever, that uh, are involved with alcohol or drugs, and to some degree, not to the same degree, but to some degree, even a person who is going through it themselves. Uh, you can, it's like watching a person, you can see based on their actions where they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that uh, it's one of those things that are common to all mankind. So even though mm-hmm. we may not have a direct uh, relationship to it, we can understand because we are people, and well, uh, it's common. And it's interesting also that uh, it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol, but we're all recovering from something. This is true. <laughs> this is true. And you think that that's a good a good uh, point to make. So, why are we even asking this question? Is it a problem? I mean, what what have you found about uh, um, substance abuse? I mean, in particular. Sure. Well, first of all, uh, are why are we asking the question? Uh, why do we have so many? substance abuse treatment centers and so many 12-step meetings. Mm-hmm. Obviously, to someone, it's an issue. Uh, most of us were introduced to alcohol or drugs by somebody we knew. Uh, and then, uh, But yet, in the news, we see all kinds of articles about overdoses, uh, accidents, all kinds of things that are directly related to using alcohol or drugs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, even though uh, sometimes society makes fun, not not makes fun of it, makes light of it, I think. Okay. If you look at the advertisements for alcohol or drugs, mm-hmm. it's a lot of really good-looking people having a great time. <laughs> you never see anybody laying in the gutter or uh, you know having a hangover or anything else. It's it's always the positive sides of right. things, and and really, there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me pull up a couple of uh, statistics that I think also uh, shine a light on the issue, the problem that we're having with substance abuse. AmericanAddictionCenters.org says this. It says, according to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 19.7 million American adults aged 12 and older battle the substance use disorder in uh, 2017. So that's, that's a lot, 19.7 million people. And it goes on to say that almost 74% of adults suffering from a substance abuse disorder in 2017 struggled with an alcohol use disorder. So alcohol, as far as the substance abuse uh, gamut is uh, concerned, 
seems that alcohol is one of the is the most um, abused or misused uh, substances. And it also says about 38% of adults in 2017 battle an illicit drug use disorder. So, of course, you can't ignore drugs. Drugs and alcohol, I seem, they seem to seem, go hand in hand together. And uh, those are the two biggest things that, of course, are highlighted as um, a substance abuse disorder. It says that in the same year, one out of every eight adults struggled with both alcohol and drug use disorders simultaneously. So one can build off on another. I've, of course, always heard of gateway drugs. And when you do one thing, then it can lead to another thing. It goes on to say that drug use and addiction cost the American society more than $740 billion annually in lost workplace productivity, health care expenses, and crime-related costs. And so I found those statistics to be... um, I don't know if I really was really shocked by it, but I think it highlights the idea that it's, it's an important topic. And if if it is happening in society in general, then I would have to assume that this is an issue in the church as well. Sure. And what's interesting, you mentioned that uh, the high percentage for alcohol, and the one difference between alcohol and drugs is that alcohol is legal. Uh-huh, yeah. And that gives me great concern when the uh legalization of marijuana, right? which most people I've talked to didn't start with a hard drug. They didn't start with heroin. They didn't start with cocaine. They didn't start, but they started with marijuana and many times alcohol as well. Mm-hmm. And to legalize marijuana, I mean, it, for the most part, it's done because it's the economics. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that will now give people the freedom to say, well, it's legal. Mm-hmm. So it can't be bad, right? And uh, like you mentioned, the, the different things, the effects mm-hmm. of the drugs, the lost product productivity, mm-hmm. um, and then really the costs go way beyond just financial costs too. What does it cost my family exactly. uh, when I'm physically there but not mentally there? Right, right. Uh, when relationships are hurt, um, all the different things that happen uh, when I don't get a a raise because or a promotion because. Uh, my performance suffers because of my addiction. Mm-hmm. And so all these things uh, need to be taken into account when we think about the cost of, because it's mm-hmm. not just the dollar yes. amount, uh, you know, the shame I feel, all the different right. things that go with it. And here's another cost, not necessarily financial, but religion uh, online.org says, nearly half of the adults in the United States have at some point, to some degree, suffered physical, psychological, or social harm as a result of someone else's drinking. And that's like 47% or 81 million people. And so though people who abuse substances might think it's only about themselves and that they're the only ones being affected, uh, statistics prove otherwise that other people are affected as well, uh, usually people who are close to them. Well, it's interesting. Uh, one other person that's affected is God mm-hmm. in a couple of ways. One, when we're using substances, it's taking the place of our relationship with God in many situations. And um, and also, if I call myself a Christian and I'm laying in the gutter and people who know me see that, what do they think of right. my Christianity? Your testimony. And, and that um, exactly is true. And so uh, the research that I've looked at speaks on that as well, is that it it does affect your testimony, and it, and it also talks about the idea that churches 
um, in general, are against, of course, uh, substance abuse. And oftentimes they use 1 Corinthians 6.19 to back up their, uh, their claim. Uh, which is talking about the body as te- the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is used oftentimes when uh, churches try to defend why substance abuse is harmful and not and not good for Christians to do. But I know that later on in this episode, we're going to get really deep into more verses and, and sure. what the Bible talks about that. But I just thought it was interesting and, and important for us to begin by talking about the problem and understanding that it really is a problem. <laughs> 19.7 million people, that's a lot of people. Absolutely. And I'm sure some of that 19.7 million is in the church and people who call themselves believers. And what's interesting is those are the people that are um, addicted or, or have an issue, but those people affect all the people around them. So if you look at the, the size of the problem, it goes way beyond yes. the people that are uh, considered uh, having an issue with it. Absolutely. So what are your personal thoughts on substance abuse, and do you think it's a sin? Well, first of all, and we've discussed this in a previous podcast, but anything we put ahead of God becomes a sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anything that I spend more time and my resources toward and less time with God is going to be an issue, and and I would consider it a sin. Uh, Since substance abuse demands so much of our time and money, it tends to pull us away from uh, our relationships, particularly our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, in Matthew 16, uh, I'm sorry, 6, 19 through 21, uh, it says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mam- mammon, <laughs> hard to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mammon comes from a word that occurs in various ancient languages, meaning wealth or greed, often personified as a false deity. Okay. So a almost a God in itself. Uh, in, any addition, in addition, many substances also affect our physical and emotional health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it really is not, I think, you know, a good testimony for a believer. I mean, I think that'd be a good argument for people because when people from the outside see someone who is abusing substances and it is affecting them and they call themselves a believer, that may begin to raise questions in their minds about what does it really mean then to be a believer. And I, I, I say that not to vilify those who may be believers and are addicted to substances, but I say that as just, a, a, it feels to me like a common sense argument where people would, would look at that and, and question that. Well, my thoughts on the issue is that, as you mentioned earlier, the legalization issue. Uh, my thoughts on substance abuse is that, you know, when, when our society legalizes, say, marijuana, a back, a tobacco, alcohol, it does send a bad message to the youth. And as you mentioned, it makes it seem like what is legal is, is right when we both know that that's not the case. I mean, just because something is legal doesn't make it right and doesn't make it okay. And I think that those who may argue that point will at least agree on what's wrong and that uh, uh, that it is a crisis of conscience when people start to think that um, something is bad. If, if we all agree that something isn't good um, and you do it anyway, at least we agree that you know we're doing something wrong. But when we think and say that something is okay and when someone does it, it's not Really, there's no crisis of conscience. No one's saying, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong that I shouldn't do. They're just doing it and saying, well, hey, the government says it's okay, so I guess it's okay. So it's like when your parents tell you not to do something and you know that they're right and you do it anyway, you know you're wrong. Sure. But if they say it's okay and you do it, how do you know whether it's wrong or not? So, and then my thoughts on sin itself, whether it's a sin, I think that uh, um, some forms of substance use is acceptable, but substance abuse is sin. So I would say like wine with dinner or beer at a game 
or uh, prescribed drugs that you use um, to help your health condition, those are uses of substances, but they're not abuses. And I think that those are fine. As a matter of fact, um, using drugs to improve your health, I think is good. But um, I think that when it comes to abuse itself, that is when it crosses over from use to, to sin. And I think that any kind of substance abuse is sin. And uh, we'll talk more about that uh, and why that is, probably even in this next question. It was interesting, I'm just going back to what you said earlier about um, legalization. And as you mentioned it, it made me also think, and although it's not a substance, gambling as an addiction, mm -hmm. uh, before we had the lottery, before we had uh, casinos and whatever, you didn't see any signs for gambling helplines. Mm -hmm. But now I see them quite often going down the expressway. I'll see a sign for if you have a gambling issue. And I talk to people uh, in the jail mm -hmm. who have gambling issues. and. Uh, again, because it's legalized, right, right, and uh, I've heard it said particularly about the lottery that it's a tax on the poor, mm. and uh, it's it's unfortunate that we look at uh, gambling as a way to uh, further our education or whatever mm -hmm. the other mm -hmm. things that they're promoting that gambling provides uh, money for. Well, it's just another indication of where our society is growing further and further away from what biblical principles are, and as we legalize things that are harmful to ourselves or to our spiritual growth, then that can, you can see that it's, that it's um, uh, altering, you know, the, our path. And it even makes it more difficult for Christians who want to remain uh, on a steady walk with God to stay on a steady walk with God when the culture is, is so diverging so rapidly and so um, obviously away from what things, what God would want. I agree. So our next question is, um, are there substances that can be abused and not be considered sinful? Yeah, that's an interesting question, and I think part of it has to do with uh, looking at the individual. Well, I actually go back a step. I think it actually has to do with the substance, because there are substances that uh, some people can use and not be addicted, and other people can't. Mm -hmm. and, and so that really goes to the person uh, I know people who, because of their physical stature, can handle more alcohol than a slighter framed person. Uh, so their line is different. There's always going to be a line, though. Okay. And that line will be when I step over what is that I can handle and not be affected in my thinking or my physical abilities. Okay. Because once once I cross that line, now I'm endangering other people potentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when I do that, then I, I really am into an area that I don't want to be. Well, in, in answering this question, I do go back to the definition, which is the overindulgence in or dependence on an addictive substance. And uh, using that definition, I, do, I personally do not think that there is any substance that can be abused and is not sinful. And I'm going to go through and hit on some some points as to reasons why I think that. And if you have some comments sure. that you'd like to interject, I'd, I'd love to hear them. But I'll start it off by going through uh, what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, which says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have to, the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And when we use substances to the point of addiction, we are no longer using them. They are really using us, and uh, they are mastering us. And so there are some 
instances in the Bible where it's not overt commands by God, but like this one is basically saying that we shouldn't be mastered by anything. Mm-hmm. Now, is it a sin to be mastered by anything? It says here that you should not be mastered by anything, that um, that he says he will not be mastered by anything. And I think if we are to be like Christ and to follow um, his principles and to follow his example, then we too will not be mastered by anything. And as you mentioned earlier, it's like when you start to be mastered by something, you now have to put that ahead of God and other things. I actually, um, my wife and I were uh, in a meeting where there was a lady who was talking about her ministry, and what she does is she uh, ministers to those to women who exit the prison system and just to make sure that they are taken care of and that they don't get back into the present prison system. Uh, but one of the things that all of these, all of the people that have gone through this system have is substance abuse. And she was talking about the idea that when they are under substance abuse, when they abuse substances to the point that they have, that they even put their children at risk because their children will be taken away from them. And she says, you know, that that's such a, a, a paternal um, desire for a mother to want to protect their children. But if the substances will take precedent over their protection of their children, it's a really big deal. It's, it's definitely mastering them. And so I think that uh, as far as substance abuse is concerned, believers have to remember this particular portion of scripture that says that we should not be mastered by anything. And um, so that's one of the one of the points that I wanted to point out as to why I think um, that any kind of a, uh, abuse is uh, sinful because it does master you. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about is what starts out as recreational can easily turn into abuse or addiction. And if we would consider this before we start, uh, because no one goes into something generally goes in think ah, I want to become an addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly, and, and I was actually thinking about uh, and just thought about it as you were talking, uh, the story of Len Bias. Supposedly, Len Bias had not used, and I don't know if it was a, this particular drug or had not used drugs before, but the night he got, uh, and I don't know if you know the story, but Len Bias was a great player at the University of Maryland, Okay, and he got drafted by the Boston Celtics. I would think he was the second or third pick, and so they went out and celebrated and he ended up dying that night, wow. uh, OD'd. And mm-hmm. um, we don't think about the fact that, oh, this uh, substance, whatever it might be, could kill me. Mm-hmm. We're only looking for that escape, that uh, release, or whatever it might be that we get from the drug, mm-hmm. and, uh, and don't necessarily look at the what potentially be the immediate effects or the long-term effects. Certainly, certainly. One of the other th- reasons why I think that it is a sin to abuse substances is because of our definition. We had done, you know, we've done an episode on sin, mm-hmm. and our definition, our specific definition in that episode was that is an act of offense against God, either by word, deed, or desire of the heart. So, or and it also includes not doing something that we know is right. So, if it is a an offense against God, either by word, deed, or desire, I think that um, the desire. Uh, would would fall into into uh, uh, play in this definition, where we are desiring something that God doesn't want us to desire. And I realize, and we had talked about this a little earlier, where it can be a tough argument uh, against people who may be abusing substances and think that they are not affecting anyone besides himself. Um, but really, if you think about the definition of sin, uh, then it still would fall underneath that, even if you think you're not... Um, harming anyone else. And we've already yeah. talked about the fact that you probably are harming someone besides yourself. 
It was interesting as you were talking again, it gave me another thought that uh, as we were talking earlier, uh, the study that we were doing at the jail and uh, the statement was, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Mm-hmm. And if our thought is toward a, a substance, whatever that might be, then our mind is not toward God. And so we're going a, a, away from God. Mm-hmm. And we had talked about also that it hurts our testimony. And I think that um, one of the one of the main things that is not talked about often, or maybe it is, uh, about substance abuse is that it can lead you into other sins, such as theft, physical abuse, uh, and prostitution, to name a few things. So even if you start off using drugs, and if if you if you and your heart think that maybe that's not a sin, it can lead into those things that we absolutely know are sins, and the Bible points out um, vehemently our sins, like theft, or physically abusing your spouse, or prostitution, selling your body just so that you can get money to pay for the drugs uh, so that you can use. So, and besides that, of course, we already talked about that we shouldn't be mastered by anything. So those reasons are some of the reasons why I think um, that uh, that it is sinful. I had one other thought. Uh, I teach in the Bible pod on Friday afternoons, and I had two guys actually come up to me. One was Native American, and the other one, uh, his wife was Native American. And the question to me was, is using LSD and peyote uh, in trying to heighten our spiritual awareness, mm. is, it, uh, you know, is it okay? And I really didn't have a good answer for him because I'm, I have no knowledge of these two uh, drugs. But, uh, I mean, then they know me that my first answer would be no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I did defer and say, you know, you really need to talk to someone who's more familiar with those particular uh, drugs. Yeah. yeah, because uh, I, I don't think being in an altered state of mind draws us closer to God. Right, right. And as I, as I say it now, it makes more sense now. Yeah, I didn't think <laughs> about it at that moment, but right. it kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, yeah, I understand totally. Um, and just a few more points to, to drive home what I was what I've been thinking on this topic. It, 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 it's the idea that believers should be slaves to righteousness. It says in Romans chapter six verses sixteen through eighteen, "Do you not know that the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or um, obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks uh, be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin." You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So the pattern of a believer is to become slaves to righteousness, not to sin. And so if we're going to be giving ourselves over to anything, it should be to righteousness. Ephesians um, chapter 5, verse 3 says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And I would argue that substance abuse might fall under the category of impurity. Um, And and as far as believers are concerned, the Bible teaches us that we are to to be perfect. And I know that we are not perfect, but uh, this particular portion of scripture drives home the idea that we are to try to attain perfection by um, not even having a hint of these things in our lives. So that is the effort. That is the goal. And so if that is what we're supposed to try to to be, then I think that rules out um, having substance abuse uh, rule over us or be in our life. And the last thing I would say is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, which speaks on the whole self-discipline idea where Paul talks about 
He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. And the prize he's talking about is, is, is salvation. And um, when he's talking about the idea that he, he has to put a blow to his body and he beats his body, he, what he's saying is he's disciplining himself so that he can, uh, can be uh, a good, have a good testimony, be right before God and man when he is preaching. Uh, and I think that believers should do that as well. And we should aspire to be right before God and before man. And that might include self-discipline. As a matter of fact, I know it does include self-discipline. And so these are the reasons why I, um, I think it, it uh, um, is sinful to abuse substances. Um, and I think they're really powerful um, arguments, biblically and uh, um, you know, just commonsensical as to why uh, substance abuse is not is not something that God wants us to do. I mean, even if you don't think it's a sin, I, I can't believe that anyone can argue that it's not a good thing. Sure. There are a lot of harmful effects. Mm-hmm. So before we go to break, I mean, I know we've already answered this question. I'm only going to pose it in case you have something to say on it, uh, is where is the line between addiction and acceptable substance use, and is there a line? I know we covered this kind of, but do you have anything extra to, to add to that? Well, I would say I agree there is a line, but I think it has to be, the individual has to figure out where their line is. Uh, for me, it's easy to just don't go there, mm-hmm. but that's not everybody's answer. And, and so you have to figure out when have I crossed the line and my line? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and then knowing what your line is to stay safely on the other side. Mm-hmm. Because once we get close to the line, it's real easy to go over. And you know, it's kind of difficult to address this topic from the point of view of someone who has not abused substances and it doesn't rule over me uh, to be able to talk about why it's so bad. I mean, it's not its not something that I struggle with. And for those who are struggling with it, I can see where they can be enticed and even try and figure out, you know, is this good? Is this bad? How far can I go before? But it's just for a believer, uh, if you take away um, the idea that yes, it is addicting to people. Um, if you if you boil it down to the biblical, what the Bible says and what the biblical um, uh, principles are laid out, in my opinion, I think it's it's clear that substance abuse is not something that believers should partake in. I don't think anybody should, but as far as a, a someone who wants to to follow Christ, uh, there is no place for substance abuse. Um, especially as identified at in the definition that we talked about earlier, uh, should be present in the life of any believer. When we come back, we'll take a deeper look into what the Bible says about substance abuse. We'll address how we might address believers struggling with substance abuse and addiction. And we'll try to answer the question, if abusing substances is sinful, what does that say about our God? So stay with us. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, Or if you have an episode topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Listen to half-hour episodes of the Christian Music Podcast online or download them to your computer or mobile device and take them with you. Discover independent Christian artists while exercising, commuting to work, doing chores, or any time you need to get your Christian music fix. Just go to ktfproductions.com 
and find the Christian Music Podcast link to access the Christian Music Podcast. Boldly proclaim your faith while also supporting the Hardcore Christianity Podcast. Find Hardcore Christianity t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, smartphone cases, pillows, mugs, and more. Just go to the Hardcore Christianity page at ktfproductions.com for links to the store. Today, Jerry and I have been exploring the question, what does the Bible say about substance abuse? In the first part of the show, we examined the state of substance abuse in our country, we discussed whether substance abuse is considered sinful or not, and we shared our personal thoughts on the subject. But in this segment, we'll begin by taking a closer look at what the Bible says about substance abuse. So, Jerry, what would you say the Bible says about substance abuse? Well, I went to a verse that said, Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Uh, coming from Romans 13, verses 13 through 14. Oh, yeah. That's one of the ones that I had written down, too. Um, let me just start off. My my explanation is with uh, drugrehab.com had a, a statement that I thought was really sure. was really interesting to add to the show. It says, The Bible has a lot to say about intoxication, sobriety, and intentionally harming the body, but it doesn't directly address the disease of addiction because the word addiction wasn't used when the Bible was written, which I thought was interesting to note that you know there are some things in the Bible that we know the character of God is against, even though it doesn't overtly or blatantly say it, and we just have to use our, our spiritual discernment and understanding what God would think is good or not. But there are certain things specifically that the Bible does talk about uh, that speaks against um, uh, substance abuse. But I don't know about you, Jerry, but um, all of the verses that I, I kind of found was really about alcoholic uh, yes. abuse, and I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't think about any other substance. I'm sure there probably are, but I didn't find them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, it says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do, you, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, or slanderers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And I use that, and I'll probably use that often in this show, because it has a list of things that uh, the Bible considers wrongdoers. And you heard the list. There's a lot of things in there, and some of which we had talked about in earlier episodes of the Hardcore Christianity. But within that list is um, drunkards. So it's obvious. And there are a lot of verses uh, about... um, drinking and uh, uh, indulging in um, drunkards. Uh, but I don't know if we need to point them all out. I don't know. Do you have any more, any other things that you found in the Bible that talks about? Uh, there were a few others, but I don't have, I, there was one okay. in particular, but I don't have it with me. Sure. So. And so, but there really, I don't think that there was, I have at least, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six verses that talk about uh, um, uh, alcohol as being something that God is not for, as a matter of fact, against. And there is one other verse that I wanted to bring up, and I think it was kind of mentioned earlier in the episode as well. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is, who is in you? 
whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And I wanted to bring that one up because it is different than the overt commands of the, of the Bible of the Lord talking about that we should not be drunkards, that we are wrongdoers in doing that. This is another verse that kind of talks about that we, are, we should be uh, cognizant of what we do with our bodies. And, it, and oftentimes I hear that as far as sexual, uh, you know, lying with someone else uh, who is not your wife or your spouse, mm-hmm. but also in the context of, of putting things in your body that are harmful, doing things harmful to the temple of God, the, the, where the Holy Spirit lives. Um, I think that the Holy Spirit physically um, lives inside of us and not, it's not just some idea or a metaphor. So when our bodies are the temple of God and we have the Holy Spirit residing within inside of us, um, then we have a responsibility as believers to honor our bodies, as um, it says in 1 Corinthians. And I believe that once we begin to abuse substances, that is one form of dishonor to our bodies. I've seen a lot of movies and, and videos and documentaries that show how drugs can can just totally change your appearance, can put you in squalor, and you're doing things that that no human should do uh, because uh, some people have gone so far, and uh, we you may have heard the term rock, hitting rock bottom. Right. Some people's bottom is very, very low. And so... Uh, who, how, who knows how long someone could, would be willing to abuse substances before they would turn it around on, the, on their own. But uh, the Bible is clear, I think, when it talks about um, what the Bible uh, prescribes as sinful, and uh, um, drunkards specifically, but I think um, substance abuse users as well would fall into that category. So what would you say to a believer who is trying to fight an addiction to substances but can't seem to shake it? Well, uh, our church has a, a really good uh, recovery program, and there was a line that I heard that I really liked. It says, it takes honesty to get sober, and it takes humility to stay sober. Hmm. And uh, it speaks to the first two steps. Uh, if you're familiar with any 12-step program, the first step is to admit that we're powerless over whatever our addiction is. Now, uh, people will say powerless over alcohol, but it could be drugs, it could mm-hmm. be food, it could be whatever our addiction is. And... Uh, and the second uh, is to seek God as we understand him. Now, most 12-step programs won't specifically say Christ, but God as we understand him. Uh, the, the church that I go to, the pastor himself, was a uh, he had gone through recovery. And it was interesting. He tells a story when he went to treatment. Uh, so he was... Uh, figuring, you know, I'm a pastor, I know all this stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, no big deal. So the, the uh, instructor said, I want you to write a, uh, a paper uh, regarding your substance abuse and whatever and, uh, and how, how God figures in it. So he wrote this great theological paper, and she looked at it, crinkled it up, threw it away, said, I'll write it again. So he went back, and he, another great paper, looked at it, threw it away. And finally he looked at it, he says, I don't understand and she says, now we're getting someplace. <laughs> because sometimes in our head, we can think, oh, I've got this. But we don't really see uh, what other people see. Mm-hmm. We don't see the things that we do that we think we're doing great. Right. And, and, and I've seen this with people I've known. It's like they think they're, they're cruising and they're really just way off the tracks. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that you brought up the AA. You know, some of the, the, the what, what 
someone might argue as well, you know, these are programs that are designed by men. How am I mm-hmm. to think that, that this is something that, that God would want me to do? Why is, why is this? Shouldn't there be a spiritual solution to this and not some human-created solution, a 12-step program, to, as an example? Well, I look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, which says, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And I believe that uh, things such as the AA program, detox centers, are a way that God is providing for you to be able to endure it. Um, even though I have not been uh, you know, subject to substance abuse, when I hear the stories of people, when I see the videos, and I mentioned this before, when, when, I, when people will go to such lengths to be mastered by a substance and they can't fee- feel like they can get out of it, they may hear a verse like this. And I, I don't know if any of the listeners who may have either been involved in substance abuse or are currently, you might hear a verse like this and say, well, it's common to man and God will provide a way out. Well, I, I don't see a way out or, you know, it's easy to say, just stop doing it, but you can't just stop doing it. Uh, we know it's wrong and, and we don't want to do it, but we, we can't stop. Well, I think that the AA programs and detox centers and all of the different things that uh, that are in place for people who are having these uh, these tendencies and these, these struggles are there, and God has used them to help people get out of them. So I would encourage, I would say to someone who's struggling with substance abuses and can't shake it, to be humble. And to um, realize, as you said, that you have a, a problem, mm-hmm. and to allow the Holy Spirit to use something like this to help you out of it. Um, we all know that there are things that we go through that we cannot do on our own, and the Holy Spirit is absolutely something that an element that needs to be in place. And I'm not sure, I'm not super familiar with the AA programs, detox, and all of these different ways to get out of it, but whatever the solution may be, um, the Holy Spirit must be involved, if, if, in my opinion. And I believe that he is when you, when you go through some of these programs. Uh, but you cannot ignore that it is the Holy Spirit that can bring us through these things. And he can use things like, like these AA programs and detox. I, I can maybe help you a little bit in that. Detox is when you go and you spend a period of time without the, the substance. And there's a physical uh, pain that your body goes through. Uh, I've, I've seen people who've gone through heroin addiction uh, or, and even alcohol. In fact, I've heard that alcohol detox can almost be more dangerous because, I mean, in any of these detoxing, you can die because your body wow. yeah, goes through these, these terrible pains and whatever. Uh, but uh, it was interesting you talk about the 12 steps. And at our church, uh, before the, the, the recovery services at night, but everybody's welcome. It's not just for people in recovery, because as we mentioned earlier, we're all in recovery for something. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is as they go through the 12 steps, they have, most of them are Psalms, but there's a proverb uh, on step eight for sure, because I, I thought I had them all written down, and I'm thinking, that doesn't match up, but it was a proverb, not a Psalm. Uh, but then uh, uh, about two weeks ago on a Monday night, I went to Central Wesleyan Church in Holland, who has a called Celebrate Recovery, which is, a, I think, a nationwide program. And I went there because at, our, at the jail, we have cards for them, and we hand them out to people and say, if you got an issue. And I thought, you know, I don't like handing out a card that I don't know anything about. Yeah. And so I went, and I, I, uh, I truly was blessed 
going there to see what they were uh, what they were doing and how they were reaching out to people with all kinds of addictions. Because one of the people in addiction are the loved ones of the person who's going through the substance abuse. Our addiction might be that we're enabling, enabling. or that we're uh, codependent, and we're so wrapped up in their lives that that we're hurting our lives and, and hurting our relationship with God. So mm-hmm. it, that's where that goes beyond just the individual who's going through the addiction, how it affects other people. Yeah. So when you mentioned detox, since I have no idea about really what that is, um, would you say that in your opinion, in your mm-hmm. experience, um, is detox something that you would advise against or is it something no. that you think is helpful? No, detox is the process of getting from using to not using. And if you're going to get to not using, you ultimately will go through detox. Okay. Because uh, it, it's getting that that uh, substance out of your body and, again, affecting your brain as well mm-hmm. uh, so that your thinking, your physical reaction is different. Um, yeah, detox is a, a definite part of. Okay. Uh, and in any treatment center you go to, they will put you through detox for the most part. Now, somebody might have already gone through it at home and they might not have to go through it as long. But if somebody came in and they've been actively using, they're going to go through detox. Okay. And, and they watch people, and they might even give them something to help them get through it. Mm-hmm. So what I, lastly, what I would say about uh, someone who is fighting addiction and substance abuses and can't seem to shake it, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that these programs are useful, and I think everyone who is struggling with that should partake in it and, and allow the Holy Spirit to use that to free them of that addiction. But the one thing I wanted to, the last thing I wanted to mention is that it, it gets really bad when someone is, is whipped down to the point where they believe that the Holy Spirit can't help. So what I would say in his encouragement is that remember the Holy Spirit can and will help you through this. And as much as we can depend on the, the, the programs, uh, remember it's the Holy Spirit that's carrying you through it and rely on him and, and uh, be in prayer and, 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 and be in communication with him and allow him to help you through it. And I would say the Holy Spirit does use these programs and that very few people that I've seen have the um, discipline to be able to do it completely on their own. Mm-hmm. There's something about accountability and there's something about community that allows us to get through this and know that we're not, you know, first of all, most of us think that what we're going through, we're unique. Mm-hmm. And most of us are not. Right. Uh, there are other people going through the same thing, uh, struggling with the same issues we are. And that sense of community, in fact, I was, we were in the Bible pod. I was teaching a couple weekends weeks ago, and one of the guys mentioned, he said that he likes the fact that in the Bible pod and in, in that community that there's different perspectives, but there's also encouragement. Uh, there's... Um, just a sense of I'm not doing it all by myself. Mm-hmm. And it also gives me the ability to speak and feel like I'm not going to be judged or condemned because I have an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so much of that we stuff down inside. And anything I stuff down inside like that, at some point it's going to explode. And however that manifests itself. Mm-hmm. So by being able to speak it out, I release that pressure. It's like a pressure valve on a, on a steam cooker sure. or something allows that pressure to release and I can go forward without all that built up inside of me. So are these AA programs, are they free? Do you know whether they're, they, does it cost the, oh. the person something? Depends upon where you go. Uh, there are treatment centers that are 
hugely expensive. Mm. There are treatment centers that are not expensive, uh, as expensive. There are an AA meeting itself typically is free, but then they take a donation to cover cost okay. of materials or whatever. Uh, but anybody can walk into a program, and you don't have to have a dime with you, and uh, on a on a twelve step program. Okay. Uh, now there are differences between some are called open programs, and some are called or twelve step meetings, and some are called closed. An open meeting, anybody can go to. Whether you have a problem or not, you may attend that meeting. But a closed program is only for those who are struggling with that particular substance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like anything. The first time you walk in, you might you know feel a little uncomfortable, whatever. But as you get to know people, as mm-hmm. you get to uh, recognize that you're not unique, mm-hmm. that there are other people that are struggling with this, and as you feel more comfortable... Uh, then you can go and you can participate, and it's not the the threatening thing it seems like before Certainly. Uh, before the first time you ever go. But you got to make that first step. Yes, and yes. anything you do it takes a first step. Absolutely, I'm so happy to have you on this show because you know way more than I do about it. And I think that uh, there may be people who are listening who don't know about it either and may need to hear it. Um, so I would encourage um, anyone who is struggling with substance abuse, as you said, to take that first step. And to uh, explore explore these options. Sure. One thing I was going to say is that if you don't know where there's a meeting and you're struggling with something, get on the internet and just type in twelve step programs or or whatever your addiction might be, uh, you know, drug programs, alcohol programs, whatever. And I, I know of very few towns where there isn't some avenue to, to hit or to go to a twelve step meeting. Okay. All right. Very helpful. Uh, so what would you say to a believer who doesn't think substance abuse has any spiritual ramifications? Well, as I stated earlier, um, abuse demands so much of our time, our money. It affects us physically. It affects us spiritually. And when we are caught up in something that uh, takes us away from God like that, mm-hmm. uh it hurts our all our diff, all our relationships. It mm-hmm. hurts our relationships with our family. It hurts our relationships with our work, uh, because we go in thinking yeah, we got the world by the tail, and we don't realize that we're missing things or we're forgetting things or whatever it might be, uh, because we don't we're not seeing clearly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. uh, as we mentioned earlier, God says you can't serve God in man. Right, right. You got to be focused. Where am I going to serve? Exactly. And uh, if it's with my addiction. It's going to take me down. We don't always see it in the beginning, but ultimately, and that's why it's good to I'll go back to the 12-step program. The reason the 12-step programs are so helpful is that you're talking to people who've been there. Mm -hmm. If you and I were to lead those programs, we wouldn't be very effective (laughs) because we haven't been there. But you take a guy that's been 20 years sober, and he can tell you what he went through before he got sober. Mm -hmm. Now... He can tell you by looking at the path you're on, where you're where headed. I wouldn't be able to see that. But he can see it very clearly. And he can speak to that because he can speak in a way that I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always tell the guys when I'm in the jail, you know, I haven't experienced this personally. This is what I've observed. So they know that I'm not trying to fool them. I'm not right. trying to uh, tell them something that uh, I've got this great knowledge on. I'm saying, this is what I've observed. 
you know, take it for what it's worth. Right. Well, I think, you know, if there are people who are struggling with substance abuses and consider themselves followers of Christ, if they're honest with themselves, I would go out on a limb, and I could be wrong, but I would say that if you are struggling with a substance abuse, uh, I think you know better than most um, the spiritual ramifications of what it is to, to abuse substances. And the only reason that you continue to is if you're deceiving yourself. And as any time a believer sins, we feel a separation from God. So if you're in the midst of substance abuse and it is ruling over you, then I believe that you, it's, it's almost unavoidable to have some kind of spiritual ramifications. And for you, uh, you would know what those are better than anyone else. Um, some shame, it could be shame or a guilty conscience. It could be the Holy Spirit um, kind of prodding, prodding you about what it is that you're doing. Or you could possibly even see the ramifications with your own, your own eyes. So if abusing substances is sinful, what does that say about our God? Well, first of all, I think it says he wants what's best for us. Uh, If we go back to the Ten Commandments, those are not rules to hurt us. They are rules to help us. Mm -hmm. If we live according to those rules, we find a peace and a joy that we can't find when we're not living according to those commandments. And... uh, I think as as humans, the closest we can come to that, to understanding how God thinks about that, is to look at our... Excuse me. Bless you. Uh, to think about how, as parents, we look at our children and how we hurt when they hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want what's best for them. And we can't make them... Uh, in fact, we shouldn't make them clones. Mm-hmm. They need to be who they're and who God intended them to be, Uh but when they hurt, when they go down a path that we and we know where it's going, and they won't listen, it mm-hmm. hurts us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's how we grieve God's heart when we do things that pull us away from Him. And I was thinking about that with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, they hid mm-hmm. because they they knew just instinctively they knew that they had grieved God. Mm-hmm. And we do that. We we want to hide from God. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the ways we do that is through alcohol or drugs. Yeah. You know, I appreciate how you, uh, and I think that we should often do that as, this as believers, is, is compare our, our relationship with the Father in heaven with our relationship with parental uh, relationships on earth. And I really can appreciate how you tied that in there. Um, there is a, 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 a quote that I wanted to mention at, at this part where it is from lakeviewhealth.com that I think is pertinent to what we're talking about. It says, the fact that an addict's condition is a result of, a, of the brokenness in which all humanity finds itself means the church should resist seeking addicts, seeing addicts as suffering from a problem that the rest of us don't have. True, not everyone is dealing with addiction in their own life, but we are all wrestling with the consequences of, of living in a sinful world. Poverty, injustice, marital problems, cancer, and a host of other issues should be viewed as a manifestation of the brokenness of the human condition. So addiction is just one more result of the same condition. And I kind of, you, you alluded to some of that earlier on in the episode, but I look at it as saying, you know, addiction equals brokenness. And God is really in the business of putting broken things back together, if we will let him. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying that that's an easy road. It's, I'm sure it's, it would be a very, very hard road for those who are, are on that path. But God is in the business of, of putting broken things back together. And that's what I would say, um, what it says about our God. Well, I think another thing, and I was thinking about it as you said that, that in the Bible it talks about dying to self uh, to be able to live. Mm. And we don't like 
not being able to get our own way. We're like spoiled brats at times. <laughs> we want it now. We want it our way. Yes. And but we have to die to self, and uh, that's a tough, and particularly in this culture, a tough thing to say. Oh, what do you mean? I got to die to self, uh, and that's the only way to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once we experience it, then you understand. Until you do, it doesn't make sense. Right. Right. That's 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 powerful. So, what would be a takeaway? Um, that will help us become more hardcore in our faith from our talk today, what would you say? Well, as we talked about before, anything we put before God in our life will hurt our relationship with him and keep us from becoming all that we could be. Uh, If people think this is not uh, an issue, then why do we have so many treatment centers and 12-step meetings? Uh, We are all human. uh, We as humans are all recovering from something, hurts, hang-ups, painful experiences, relationships, substance abuse, etc. We need community to guide us in our recovery and we and to keep and help keep us accountable. A good recovery program involves community, accountability and guidance in a 12-step program that can point to God and as our healer and allow us to give and receive God's grace to those who are in dark places in their lives. Okay. Very good. I would also say that believers shouldn't justify or make light of their addictions. And substance abuse um, goes against the character of God, and in many cases against the commands of God. So we shouldn't look at it as uh, we should look at it the way God looks at it. So uh, one other thought too, when uh, when our church started a recovery program, we were thinking, oh, we're going to help these people who are struggling. But it's interesting how much the recovery community, one, how how honest they are. Uh, they're the most some of the most honest people I know. Hmm. Uh, we've all gone into church. How you doing? Yeah, doing fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, how you really doing? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. you know, dig a little deeper sometimes. But uh, the recovery people are very honest. And uh, but how much they've helped us as a church, hmm. helped us to see. And, and even this morning at your church, when they talked about diversity, by having different perspectives, we're able to see things that we can't see mm-hmm. from our our little prism that we're looking through. Uh, but by Opening up to people who maybe are struggling or are different from us, we get different perspectives that we would never see otherwise. And I think um, what I what I take away from this episode for myself is that I really need to check my myself and my biases because, um, and, and whether it's conscious or, or unconscious, I feel like I judge those who are uh, abusing substances, and I wonder why did you ever choose to do that to go down that road? And I have no idea. Uh, what the background of these people are or what happened or or, or why they chose to do it. But it it kind of influences my thoughts about them. And I like that that, uh, uh, um, quote that I had given from lakeviewhealth.com because it helps to to remind us that it's just a human condition and we are all broken. And so that's one of the things I know I'll be taking away from this episode. Well, I want to thank you, the listener, for spending time with us as we explored the question, what does the Bible say about substance abuse? I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to join us next time as we explore another challenging topic from a Christian worldview. But until then, I encourage you to make every effort to keep your walk hardcore. See you next time. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, or if you have an episode topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at hotmail.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. Hardcore Christianity is produced by KTF Productions. Thanks for listening and God bless.